come anywhere near my tabloids. Hello, and welcome to episode 110 of Ribbon of Memes, a podcast where we interrogate films previously described by other uh, quick-witted detective couples as masterpieces. Uh, I am Nick, uh, frequently drunk, <laughs> but no detective, um, and I am joined as ever by Roger. Also frequently drunk. <laughs> More of a detective than me, I think it's fair to say. And we are heading back to the pre-code era. That's right, this is a film from before the uh, the the Hayes Code, as I frequently call it, um, the uh, the code of... What's, it, what's the official title, Roger? Um, motion Picture Production Code. The motion prediction, motion prediction, motion production. <laughs> uh, this is why I call it the Hayes Code, um, which actually came into effect later. I think possibly later in the year that yeah. this film um, was released. Well, it was it was there before and just widely ignored. Uh, but the serious enforcement started on the first of July thirty four, whereas this film, well, as release date, whereas this film was released on the twenty fifth of May thirty four. And I realised that, in fact, there, there was this golden seven months between you know, en- ending when the code came in, beginning when Prohibition ended on the 5th of December thirty-three. Consequently, almost everyone... Well, the principal characters of this film are drunk almost all of the time. You can tell it's immediately post-Prohibition, <laughs> because mm-hmm. we are talking about 1934... A uh, murder mystery film, The Thin Man, by no less an author than Dashiell Hammett, um, who we have... Actually, we've had a bit to do with... Um, what's his face? Uh, Raymond Chandler. Have we had Dashiell Hammett before? Uh, we haven't done in, the big sweep, have we? We've mentioned uh, him before, but I don't think we've ever officially done the big sleep. Oh, uh, we did The Long Goodbye. Was that a Dashiell Hammett? Gosh, no. I hated that film. Well, um, he, he did write the Maltese Falcon, let us not forget. Ah, oh, there we go. <laughs> All right, so uh, fair enough. Well, this is another of his... Uh, right, this is based on his novel of the same name, The Thin Man. Very, very closely it, based. I mean, it was basically optioned for the film before he finished writing it. So He was doing all right for himself, wasn't he? Um, so... This is... So the title of the film is, uh, is slightly... So The Thin Man... Uh, is not so. This this film spawned a number of sequels, all of which had the Thin Man in. Uh, as I understand it, the Thin Man is not our detective uh, character, um, or at least not in this film. Um, Nick Nick Charles, mm. um, but the murder victim, the first victim. Yes. Uh, but they eventually. Uh, we we should point out spoilers sequels. here. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> Spoilers. Um, ba- but basically, oh, yeah, the, the Thin spoiler. Man was the distinctive thing about the title, and therefore it was a bit of the title that kept getting reused, uh, even, yeah, even though become... the Thin Man himself is, in fact, dead by the yeah, halfway through this film. So, And everyone sort of assumes the Thin Man is actually Nick Charles, who is the, the detective in the film, or at least they do in later film, and even the film sort of give up, they're trying to make the distinction. Anyway, this is a film starring... Uh, William Powell, uh, but no less uh, starring Myrna Loy um, mm-hmm. as his wife. Uh, this is Nick and Nora Charles. Um, 
I didn't realise Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, the uh, the much later film, basically the names came from then. And I also didn't realise that the characters David Niven and Maggie Smith were kind of parodying in parodying, parodying, parodying. Mm-hmm. In um, I'm sorry, I've just had COVID. That's my excuse. Um, <laughs> in, in Murder by Death, the other um, classic. Well, we which I've never seen. Oh, it's. Um, uh, I, I think it's a film that maybe is talked about more than it deserves. But anyway, um, they are these kind of sozzled married couple in uh, Murder by Death. Now, I didn't know who they were supposed to be parodying, and now I finally understand it was Nick and Nora Charles. So one reason I wanted to watch this for the podcast is it has been for a long time my touchstone for witty quickfire dialogue. Yes. And I'm not saying nobody has separately invented the idea of witty quickfire dialogue, but I'm sure it has often been an influence. It really feels like an influence on the later uh, uh, North by Northwest. In fact, many of the Cary Grant kind of uh, screwball comedies that he was in later on. This is, I mean, the main characters are, as I said, (laughs) drunk. I mean, we are introduced to... Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's fun drunk. It's fun drunk. We, I mean, we have Nora. Yes, exactly. It's not um, leaving Las Vegas that we're dealing with here. Uh, this is um, we're introduced to um, Nick uh, seven, I think seven cocktails in, um, and his <laughs> wife turns up uh, and she asks, "How many have you had to drink?" And he says, seven. So she orders seven drinks so she can catch up with him. It's that kind of fun drunk. And they're all. I'm not sure there's any scene where he's uh, where. Um, uh, where William Powell is playing Nick sober. I'd, <laughs> I'm not sh- Maybe there's a scene in the warehouse where he discovers the body, um, possibly. But, you know, it's been 10 years, we've got some catching up to do. <laughs> the whole film. Um, but it's interesting because it's also a kind of... Is it fair to say this is a proto-film noir in that it, it's... Um, uh, maybe that's well, unfair, but... That that's the thing that was very much striking me this, this time round. That the story is a hard boiled story. Mm. Uh, you, mm. you you could drop any of the classic hard boiled detectives into it, but instead yes. you get Nick and Nora, <laughs> exactly. and and they are having fun. And there, there's a subgenre of uh, murder mystery called the what fun, basically because you know the investigators treat it as a game, a puzzle, whatever, rather than yes. somebody is dead. Um, but I think there's a certain amount of that here too. There, there's um, yeah, it, it, it's what they both enjoy doing. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, as he, you say, he, it's, he is a former uh, police detective, I think. Is he former police or former yes, private? Yes, he, he has talked. I think he is a police detective in there. Uh, but he and is, he's his, married his, his to a wealthy socialite, um, and so he's enjoying uh, his retirement, uh, which basically involves <laughs> drinking gin after gin after gin with his wife. And that is a really nice thing. To, you know, a lot of... We talk about sort of... You talked about witty dialogue, and I mentioned Cary Grant and sort of screwball comedies. The interesting thing about these later films is that they are all... There's a sexual tension there in that will they, won't they, will they, won't they. Here, Nick and Nora are married, um, and usually that's where the film ends, Mm. because that's where the interest stops. But here, this is a husband and wife that like each other, like each other's company, enjoy teasing each other, and it's just a a joy. I mean, for me, I was 
I was honestly not. I didn't know what to expect with it in my head. Just from the similarity, it was, it was um, just from the verbal similarity. I was thinking, oh, it's probably a bit like the third man. Um, There's <laughs> nothing at all like that. And it was a murder mystery. Um, but the main characters are both of them, and are you know this? We have uh, Myrna Loy and William Powell, and they just. I can't recall seeing better screen chemistry than I've seen here. I think mm. they just incredible together they just bounce out to that they they are so oh i don't want to say they're so cute together but they are you just you like both of them you like them as a pair you want to see more of them and um, man Alloy wears the most spectacular costumes in this as well which mm. I, I greatly appreciate they're both just lovely characters which is really nice to see when i read around this a little bit that actually they seem to feel similarly about each other in real life that they just kind of bounced off each other in a similar way um, yeah they, 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 they were never romantically involved i, th- I think chemistry is, is the good term for it yeah, but yeah i mean they, they they um had various problems because very fans assumed that they must be a, a real life couple but yes uh, yeah yeah i i think okay i i can't put my finger on examples but generally marriage up to this point had been, you know, it's 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 earnest, it's virtuous, it's boring, particularly for the woman. Yes, and that, Whereas, and as you say, that's why the film tends to end with "Will you marry me?" Yes, or whatever. And yeah. and here it's no, no, they, they are still they are still having fun. Yeah, they're married. They're not. They're not. It's not that they're in, you know the other Hollywood convention would be all oh, right. They married at the end of the last film. Now they're on the rocks. There's been a problem. Let's watch them reconcile throughout the rest of this film. I just it's not it's not a thing here. Yeah, I mean through through the whole series, there is never any, anything more than the most trivial of arguments, and that's usually when he wants her not to go into danger, and she wants to do it anyway. <laughs> um, uh, but as you say, it's on top of this. It's fairly gritty and bit depressing um murder mystery story um i mean i could i hadn't checked whether it was pre-code i just assumed it was a uh, uh a motion picture code film but then quite early on in the film they're talking about uh the thin man in the terms of the the character who is supposedly on the run through the whole film um but turns out it isn't on the run at all he's buried in the basement of his workshop spoilers um He's divorced, and so we have this divorced couple. There's evidence of infidelity quite early. There's murder. There's blackmail. Um, it's it, it touches on things that the code would probably have not allowed to be shown. Hmm. Though how- let, let, let us not forget that he, even um, before the code, as we are, uh, they they have uh, two single beds next to each other. Oh, yes, that's I mean, true. So, some things are just beyond the pale. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, let's steady on. Um, I don't know, even um, um, Morecambe and Wise were shared a bed. But um, the, that reminds me of that scene where it's just um, like there is a gritty gangster kind of out for revenge has come to kill Nick or um, cause him trouble. And, and the whole scene from their point of view is played for laughs, really. Mm. <laughs> um, but uh, though it does involve him uh, punching Nora unconscious. She didn't seem to bear a grudge from that particularly. Um, they just sort of let it wash over them, this whole thing. And I, I um, 
I greatly appreciated that because the story itself is is quite dark. I t- the other character that uh, struck stuck out at me as the um, the lieutenant um, in the story, who not to put too fine a point, clearly on screen is built like a brick shit house. I mean, he is enormous. <laughs> so when I looked into him, it turns out that he was a pro wrestler um, mm-hmm. for some time. Olympic um, wrestler. Olympic wrestler, which does not surprise. Well, not that he. Uh, that has nothing to do with his acting, and again, he, he does come across as a, a, a lieutenant. Uh, but he's a big guy, it, yeah. He is a big guy, and it, it physically intimidating. I mean, the the ins and outs of the murder mystery are interesting. They all hold together. We're given some clues um, as to what happens. We have two, two, three bodies by the end of the film. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's three. Uh, it all makes sense. It's not. It's not. Um, uh, it's not knives out level of um, plot twistiness, particularly. Um, the, I mean, the 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 whole. Um, I suppose you're wondering why I've gathered you here today. <laughs> is I I quite like this conceit that basically when Nick has figured it out, he hasn't quite figured it out, but he's got an idea. He summons them all to a dinner party, and they are kind of escorted by the police <laughs> to this dinner party. Um, uh, and he's he's just having fun with it, really. He's just but also the... poking them enough that one of them is going to think, "Okay, he's going to finger me in just a moment. I better shoot my way out now." Yes, exactly. And it does. I, even I sort of figured out who it was before the denouement, which is unusual for me because um, I'm not uh, uh, I'm not particularly a fan of the genre. Though I'm becoming a fan, I have to say. I mean, we've watched the the two Knives Out mysteries, um, both thoroughly enjoyed them. I did intend to watch more of Thin Man after this because uh, I thoroughly enjoyed this because of Nick and Nora, frankly. Mm. Um, but uh, COVID got in the way, so I haven't been able to concentrate. But I, I certainly will watch more of them. Um, apparently, actually, during that dinner party, the uh, uh, they were serving oysters, um, which was not great uh, for multiple takes under studio lights. So pretty much nobody involved in the dinner party ever wanted to eat an oyster again. <laughs> given the putrefactive smell of them from the end of the day. Uh, I'm just sort of singing the praises of the film at this point. Yeah, um, there are things that don't work so well. One one of the um, children living with a divorced mother um, is the geeky, prurient figure of fun. Mm. And it's kind of clangy, heavy-handed for me, but... It's, it's Especially as his interest in pathology is shown as some kind of evidence of deviancy, which <laughs> I will, <laughs> I must say, I, I, well, I would rail against, but it's completely. Well, I mean, he's wearing glasses. What more need you say? <laughs> exactly. Um, so, if, if I just run quickly point. through uh, the remaining ones, yes. Uh, so, two years later, we get off the thin man. It's thirty-six. The code has come down. Um, now this is the one I really wanted to watch. This has got a young James Stewart in it. It has. Uh, so there's that. Um, also, uh, William Law playing a Chinese, probably criminal. Um, uh, but he, okay. but he, uh, at least it is William Law rather than just some generic white guy. And, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, he he is somewhat subverting the stereotype. He's he's not just you know. Grunt, grunt, I want to kill you because I'm a criminal. Right, okay, good. Uh, also, it's got uh, Dorothy McNulty, who would, who would go on to be the first woman to be the president of an AFL-CIO union. 
as the American okay. Guild of Variety Artists. Um, all right, it, it does have a whole bunch of family tyranny, which is clearly meant to be comedic. And okay. it's not my thing, but, yeah, shrug. <laughs> um, all the men are kind of assholes, which is unusual. Except Nick, obviously. Except Nick, who is a um, drunk. But a fun drunk. So. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's up to the minute with forensic firearm examination. Uh, is that true? Does it does it pass Roger's forensic corner? Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, so, so the um, the first tranche of gunshot residue tests came in in 33, uh, which was basically known as the paraffin test. Okay. Uh, basically, we, we will uh, wax your hand and then try to recover um, gunpowder particles from that wax cast. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, but anyway... Um, uh, and one of my favourite lines, um, confronting the playboy who is who has run out on his wife. Why don't you call Selma and tell her you're all right? Well, don't exaggerate. Call her. <laughs> so we go on from there to another thin man. This is 1939, and it's okay. It is fading a bit. They do still have Hammett writing them at this point. Okay. Uh, but it is starting, particularly, uh, everything stops with the musical number, uh, in, in both two oh, and three. Okay. And not that they're terrible musical numbers, but they're not great. It's nice to see that the band keeps playing even when the lights go out and everybody's panicking, but. <laughs> well, they did that on Titanic. And, um, for, for reasons which I, I may have missed, there, there is a meeting of gangsters disguised as a small children's birthday party. <laughs> which has uh, the, the splendid line say so you didn't snatch that kid did you we don't want the heat on this party no I got it legitimate I rented it for a buck <laughs> oh see this has got some great dialogue uh, did, now did Dashiell Hammett write this dialogue I don't think he did I think didn't. well a, I, d- I don't know who, who wrote what but he's certainly accredited screenwriter for this one okay I think um, uh, there was a, a husband and wife screenwriter team that upped the comedy in the original screenplay. Um, uh, yes, Albert Hackett and Francis Goodrich. Um, uh, it's nice to think maybe they had a similar marriage to the one portrayed on screen. Here. <laughs> yeah, obviously they'd have to turn down the drinking for film. Uh, <laughs> so that then uh, it's another couple of years gap uh, Shadow of the Thin Man 1941 it actually comes out uh, two weeks before Pearl Harbor oh okay now do, is that a war film Does no war? not, not oh, at all okay. um, but they they, they sat uh, Dashiell Hammett for this one uh, th- this has uh, Louise Beavers as a very very stereotyped um, black nurse uh, it, nanny Rather, I should say. Oh, okay. All right. Um, she she did point out that um, yeah, I, I play a lot of stereotyped parts because those are the parts that there are for a black woman in 1941. Yeah. So you know, she yeah. she did actually try try to um, do something about that as as she her career got bigger. Uh, this has got Stella Adler, who who went on to be a quite quite famous acting teacher in one of the three films she appeared in. Um, she gives a really impressive. And completely mendacious witness statement in this. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Donna Reed in her third film role. Um, Barry Nelson, who looks frankly weird in this. He's got that stretched smooth look you get from somebody like JFK. 
Um, okay, yes. But he, he would go on to be the first actor to play James Bond on screen. Really? Uh, in a... Isn't that in a TV show? Um, I think it was a nominally film released um, opposite Peter Laurie as Le Chiffre, which I kind of want to see now. Yeah, that would be good. You despise me, don't you, Bond? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, it's it's simpler, but it has more energy to it, even if it does fall apart into a brawl at times, and even if they do have rigor developing in half an hour. Oh, don't get me started on Hollywood's um, pathology. Well, I mean, hanging versus strangulation is going to be very obvious at the post-mortem anyway, so... Uh, I, now, it depends on the muscular activity you had before death as to how quickly rigor <laughs> sets in, but half an hour is pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, there is a guy who brings to a knife to a gunfight and is called Beppo, but, you know, he can't have everything. He, there is a corrupt official in this, even under the production code. I mean, his actual position is never made completely clear, but he is definitely a, an arm of officialdom. So. Now, you are allowed to have corrupt officials. Uh, Casablanca was under the code, wasn't it? And he is. Mm. Um, uh, Claude Rains is the uh, uh, self-confessed poor corrupt official. Uh, so, number five, the thin man goes home. Um, they, they so, switch... this is where they've given up on any attempt that the thin man was the um, yeah was the murder victim in the first film. So, uh, in number, basically number two, we we had um, Nora's uh, mother. In that, in number three, we had Nora's father. And uh, in, in this case, we have uh, Nick's family in small town America. Okay. Yeah, and his his father is is the town doctor and has never been terribly impressed with him. Now, are these diminishing returns, Roger, or did you? Well, I, I felt three was diminishing them? returns, but and five, four was kind of simplistic for my taste. But by five and six, I was I was enjoying him again. Okay. Um, partly because in five, well, they they did in in the context of the film, it's oh well, you know, I don't want my father to think I'm a heavy drinker, so I'm, so I'm just going to be drinking cider. It, which in in US is apple juice. In the US is not necessarily alcoholic, is it? That's um, uh, for context. Cider is a strongly alcoholic drink in the UK. But he, but uh, Nick does have a hip flask, which is something like a foot tall, and I want one. <laughs> <laughs> now, is their chemistry still working here? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, they, William uh, uh, Powell and Myrna Lloyd, they went to went on to make. On the strength of the Thin Man, uh, is it like twelve films together, sixteen films, something, uh, a large number of films together that they uh, they work together on, on the on the strength of their chemistry in the Thin Man. So, uh, I think people were aware that it was a rare and special quality. Quality. Um, they weren't all Thin Man films, but they hmm. they worked on a number of other films together. As well, well, one reason why there's been this gap during the war is that uh, Myrna Lloyd basically um, went and worked for the Red Cross. And... I have to. I, I looked into Myrna. Um, she said, "Unlike she was incredibly famous, uh, incredibly lovely, uh, very powerful Hollywood player." I've very quickly forgotten both of these two. I suppose it's just long. Long enough that they've slipped out of consciousness, um, but they were like the superstars of their day. Mm. Um, so yeah, they, they they do stick with it for the whole series, which is great. Um, a, a, according to an article in the Hollywood Reporter, um, because of wartime liquor rationing, they 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 wanted to tone down the heavy drinking. But 
That's a, yeah. that's a shame. Um, There's very little actual mystery in this one, which I found kind of weird, but it, it's great fun for the characters. I mean, they are... Uh, certainly, the, I can imagine everything after this was really a vehicle for those two just mm. enjoying themselves together. Yeah, I think that's fair. And does it lose some of the grit? Like the first film, as we talked about, it's, it's quite a, a gritty sort of depressing murder story that if Sam Spade had been involved would um, there'd been wisecracking and everything but it would have given you a much more jaded view of humanity um, uh, I'd, the I'd say follow that template? At, at least the first three where, where it's still the same writer um, but yes. after they got rid of Hammett it's, I mean you still have gangsters where, where they yeah. fit but yeah, it's not quite, not quite to the same extent and the, the, the Tintin level of gangsters perhaps yeah and Thin Man Goes Home in 45, uh, there is actually a, an espionage plot, but it, it's, it's really about the characters at this point. Mm-hmm. Also, I, I th- one of my favourite uh, actor names, Anita Shop Bolster. Goodness me. Who, who, who plays the family's maid. Uh, but we, <laughs> we, we've got another, another young woman who's basically falling all over Nick. And it's... Particularly funny here because, you know, like Nora, we know that Nick is rock solid. And yeah. he, you know, well, he doesn't quite say better women than you have thrown themselves at me, but that's clearly the way he's thinking. <laughs> okay, yes. Um, and then finally, Song of the Thin Man, 1947. Son of the Thin Song. Man. Oh, oh okay, there, 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 there's there's a son who turns up, um, and she's pregnant at the end of number two, and he, he's a baby in in number three, and so. On. Um, I thought we were going to go all son of Frankenstein for a minute, but no, song of the thin man. Is but he, here we have a a returning ribbon of memes actor. Oh yes, Dean Stockwell. Oh really? Okay. As Nick Junior. As Nick, <laughs> how old is Dean Stockwell in this film? Um, tenish. Wow. Oh, now I have to watch that one. Uh, also, a fairly early role for Gloria Graham, who was one of the sex pots of the fifties. Um, that's pretty much what she does here. Um, God say the the whitest jazz men I have seen outside English pubs. <laughs> <laughs> Though probably sadly true to life, given that this is New York in the in the forties. Oh, well, there was the Harlem Renaissance. I suppose that was the the twenties, wasn't it? The, there's the whole thing about what uh, what sort of audience can you play for, right? Yeah, and it, it's not formally segregated, but it, it gets tricky. I mean, this is happening on an illegal gambling boat, but yeah, everybody here is white. Okay, uh, <laughs> okay. And Janet Thayer, uh, later known as Jane Meadows. Um, a, a, a depiction of insanity which is pretty much on a par with what you'd see in Call of Cthulhu in terms of realism. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, well, we're, we're, um, uh, comedy insanity then. But or, basically, um, uh, all, all of these end up with everybody is gathered together in in a meal or a party or something, and, okay. and Nick explains what's going on. And I think it's in number five uh, where Nora actually explains to one of the people who's first. Exposure. This is that. Oh yes, yes. He always does this, and uh, usually there'll be some gunfire. I usually jump behind the sofa. <laughs> so, yeah, they're, they're, they're having a sense of humour about their own their own tropes as well. Well, I felt I felt like they were doing that already in the first film, but I can see why their charisma carried them through another um, X films. Um, as you say, the Thin Man 
and outside of the Thin Man, because it, it, I, I do think that that chemistry is incredibly strong, and that's what I remember from the film, not the not the plot especially. I mean, he is a good detective. Um, does Nora do much detecting? Um, less as time goes on, but she, but she is certainly still observing stuff and doing her own interviewing and things of that sort. So now, do they have the dog the whole way through? Yes, presumably they do. Well, I, I believe uh, it's the same dog, but I'm not certain. It may well be I a different. Think one it is. I think it's uh, Skippy. Um, was the actual name of the dog? I can't remember what it's called in the film, Asta. but it was. It got to like eight, eighteen or something. I think that dog. Now, whether that was, um, uh, as I have experienced in in my other career, um, this rabbit got to fifteen. Um, it slightly changed shape about halfway through. <laughs> uh, whether that was a similar thing to Skippy, uh, I'm not sure. But I um, should say uh, Goodrich and Hackett only worked on the first three. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, we've got um, a ve- various screenwriting teams. I don't think any of them came back. Uh, now, this feels like a sort of a forgotten... I mean, the Thin Man, I, I need a name, but I, I didn't really know what it was about, but this was a huge franchise and a huge money spinner um, mm. and these were huge stars at the time, so it's uh, this is, I'll be honest, this is the sort of thing I wanted to do Ribbon of Memes for really, this kind of these great films that have been slightly forgotten, that yeah. I genuinely have a, a ton to enjoy um, and you kind of feel like when you're watching films in the 70s uh, maybe not the seventies, <laughs> but in the eighties. Oh, it's the first time this sort of um, has been done, and then you realise, you know, they got the chemistry right in a way never bettered. I'll probably remember at some point the chemistry that worked better, but to be honest, these two on screen are just—you mm. you could watch them do a lot and just enjoy it. Um, and I completely agree with you. I'm not sure that I've seen. Uh, Rapid fire dialogue done better than these two doing it with each other. Um, in a, in a way that's clearly affectionate, genuine. That, that's funny. the thing. I mean, I've I've seen sniping, and sometimes that can be can can be quite enjoyable. But this is yes. There there is never. It, I mean, it would be very easy to to try to get some dramatic tension out of or do or are they falling out of love with each other or something? Yeah. But they don't. There's, there's no, not even a hint of that, and it's gorgeous. They just adore each other, um, and what they enjoy doing is is this kind of badinage that they do the whole time. Um, mm. Yeah, it's lovely. Uh, it feels like a film, despite the kind of gritty subject matter. Uh, yeah, it, it's yeah. It, a film I, I feel it really shouldn't work uh, that, in that that combination, but it does. And that... It's like a screwball comedy meets proto film noir. But it just, uh, their chemistry is strong enough that it just uh, pushes it over the edge. So I I think for me, as far as Masterpiece goes, I, it, was it, did it uh, create, did it, was it widely imitated? Well, it spawned a number of sequels and many other films. Yeah, I think that kind of comedy probably had been done before, but I, I, is it the pinnacle of something? Yeah, it's the pinnacle of on-screen chemistry for me. I don't think I've seen it done better elsewhere that I can think of. Mm. I think uh, in terms of imitation, well, uh, one could at least claim that most of the depictions of marriage that haven't been, oh, well, it's the end of the story, owe at least a little bit to this. 
I think so. Simply because it was so widely viewed at the time that it it would have been, you know, in the consciousness of the next generation of screenwriters. Yes, it's not kind of an honest view of a happy marriage because, you know, there's different ways of being happy. But um, uh, These aren't super complex characters either. No, but gosh, it looks like a lot of fun to to be part of that, yeah. Yeah. very good. I I very much enjoyed the thing, man. I greatly appreciated your suggestion. I mean, it it's it's the sort of era that I love anyway. Um, and undiscovered stars that I had, I don't, I probably have seen them in other things, but I don't remember it. Um, and they were just a joy to watch. It was a lovely. Uh, and they they were huge in in their day. Even they yeah. they were both pretty big stars even before this. So yes, and genuinely, as far as I can tell. Uh, having just come through three Hitchcocks, it's nice to say that genuinely seem to be <laughs> lovely people, um, which is not something you could say for um, um, Hitch necessarily. Um, lovely. Um, I uh, won't yeah. claim they're all masterpieces, but I will certainly say the first one is. I will agree with you. I haven't seen the rest, but I uh, I had planned to before uh, my viral infection, and will watch for will watch more of them just for pleasure. I I, I, have, I enjoyed them. all of them. So oh good okay well that's that's recommendation for me, uh, and a recommended to everyone who hasn't delved into the the pre Hayes Code era. Well, I mean this is this is mostly a Code era of film series, but the first one, yeah, yeah. Very good. Just about. Uh, lovely. All right. Well, I think that might wrap it up for the thin, the thin men. I'm practically under the table already, and not the way I'd like to be. <laughs>